Leadership Show with Andy Peck. My joy to welcome you to another Leadership Show. And if you're a regular listener, you will have heard me talk about this show as helping Christians use their influence in the service of God's purposes. The language is deliberate, aiming to include Christians in leadership roles, but also recognises that all Christians ideally should be of influence wherever God has placed them. If leadership is influence, then it's not confined to those with a title. So when I saw the publicity for the influence course, and then it was by a former guest of the show, Andy Flanagan, I was, of course, keen to find out more. Andy was last on the show speaking about his book, Those Who Show Up, and that was back in 2015, which particularly focuses on Christians' involvement in the political world. Now he has a course which can be run by local churches to help their members engage with the principles and ideas that will help the UK church to engage better with people around them. So I'm delighted to uh, welcome Andy back. So good to chat with you again, Andy. Absolutely. Lovely to see you, Andy. So your 10-second description of the influence course. Oh, 10 seconds. Can I do it in 10 seconds? Well, it is there to give people the first baby steps of getting involved in the public square, in their area, in their world, and to do it with other people rather than do it as lone rangers. Um, it's to lay the biblical foundation uh, to show God's call for all of us to be involved, for all of us to be, as you described, as influencers in the public square. That's brilliant. I, I'm impressed. I, don't, I think the, the elevator or the lift, as we say in the UK, would have, uh, would have, made, would have still been travelling if, uh, if that would have been the pitch. So thank you. Um, now, Andy, I think it would be useful to begin with one of the themes of the book as a way of kind of starting things off. Because you, you mention Adam and Eve and their mandate in Genesis 1, and you finish the book by talking about heaven. So you see the influence of the people of God as having a key part in the overall story of the Bible. Absolutely. Uh, that moment in Genesis 1 that we, that we know about where Adam and Eve are, are given that, sort of that mandate, as we describe it, uh, to, 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 to steward creation, uh, to be over all of creation. Um, we, we celebrate that, and especially in the last 10 years or so, you know, as we thought about climate change, we've realized we have a responsibility in the midst of the non-human creation. But we don't often think about the when of that, of that call. We think about the what of it, but we don't often think about the when of that call. And the fascinating thing about that call is that it happens before the fall. It's the call before the fall, you could say. Um, and that really changes how we look at politics because... Um, it's very easy for people to get involved in politics these days because they see a problem because they think, oh, that needs fixed or look at this problem in the world. But actually the call to public leadership that Adam and Eve heard, um, it predates anything going wrong. It's not just about sorting out dysfunction. It would appear that even perfection needs managed. And, and if you think about the, the, the promise and all those verses in scripture that talk about how we will rule and reign with him forever, um, stretching out into eternity, then you could see this time now just as an apprenticeship <laughs> of, of learning how and training how to rule and reign with him uh, in, in light of that eternity. So it, it really matters how we view and how we frame our call into politics. And you might think that's just semantics, you know, before or after the fall. But, but it's not because having seen, been in and around this world of politics for a couple of decades now, I've seen it really matter 
whether or not you believe that your call into politics is divine vocation, is holy calling, or whether it's just a pragmatic way of trying to sort out the world. It's not just sorting out the world. And, and if you see it as that, the first time things go wrong, the first time you get taken down on social media, when you don't get elected, when you don't even get selected to be elected, it's so easy for folks to just step away. But actually, if we know this is a divine vocation and a holy calling, it, that changes the metric of what we see as success or failure. It might look like losing every four years because we're a red in a very blue seat, or we're a blue in a very red seat. It might look like it might look like being you know rolled over the coals, but actually bringing him glory. So it's not just about sorting out the world; it's about demonstrating his kingdom and, and bringing him glory. Sure, and of course, you outline the fact that um, you know, Revelation talks about us reigning with Christ in the world to come. So there's a the, the, the principle of of ruling and reigning and influencing uh, continues beyond this earthly life. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we you could say this is just an apprenticeship ahead of that perfect future, and and we're called to demonstrate that perfect future. So we absolutely want to see all the spheres of of life transformed and reflecting how they were meant to be operating the education operating at its best politics operating at its best journalism operating at its best you know that the, these are doing what they're designed to do by god these are god-given entities but but doing what they're designed to do rather than the kind of the fallen versions of them that we see presently so we, we know that one day they will be perfected and restored but but we're called to demonstrate that future perfection by by, by bringing moments of good legislation, moments of compassion, moments of justice, moments of peace in the here and now. So, Andy, you make a strong case for Christians to get involved, and I like the way you you contrast charity and justice. Uh, too often, Christians engage in charity when justice may actually be needed. Perhaps you could unpack that for us. Sure. Um, I think Desmond Tutu put it brilliantly when he said, as Christians, we need to not just be pulling the dying bodies out of the river. We need to be going upstream to see who's pushing them in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or, or, or Martin Luther King also said, uh, you know, we need to not just be uh, being the good Samaritan on life's roadside. We need to be going back to the Jericho Road to work out how to stop more people getting mugged. I'm, I'm paraphrasing massively there. Yeah, sure. But, uh, sure. You know, as, as Christians, we're hardwired for compassion. We are. We 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 do want to respond to people when we see need in front of us, and that's a beautiful thing we should never stop doing that but it, it can sometimes lead us to fulfilling what i would call the pastoral role of the church while ignoring the prophetic role of the church so you know treating the victims of a sick system but failing to speak righteousness and justice and truth to the system itself um, and that, that's the call to be involved in justice seeking and um, that actually rather than just thinking oh well, this legislation is bad this leadership is bad and we will treat the victims that are. We will treat the victims of that bad leadership. Well, let's be involved in the leadership so that there is better leadership, so that there is better legislation, so that there is better structuring of our economic world, and um, so that there are less victims. So it's 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 that desire to not see the church stuck because the church is doing an incredible job all across the UK in plugging some of these gaps at the moment. But you don't want to see the the church stuck as the service provider, just treating the victims of a sick system, just being the paramedic of the UK. For the next 50 years rather than doing that prophetic job that we're meant to do and doing that evangelistic job that we're meant to do so andy the, the course clearly challenges the old star stance that it's there's a world out there that's awful our job is to form a holy huddle uh, and wait for the second coming and at various points in the course you're you're 
kind of shooting down that kind of methodology? Yeah, the, the classic secular sacred divide, um, which says that uh, <laughs> says that really, you know, it's our job to be in charge of the kind of the Sunday morning things, the prayers, the hymns, the invisible things, um, and then and then we'll let somebody else be in charge of the broadband, the taxation, the bins, <laughs> you know, all the practical stuff. We'll delegate that. We'll outsource that to someone else, which is a desperately unbiblical way of of looking at things. And, and sometimes people have fallen into the trap of, of, of hearing Jesus reply to the Pharisees in the Gospels when he said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and render unto God what is God's. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't drawing a dividing line down the middle of a Venn diagram. That, that's him drawing a little small circle saying, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and then a huge big circle around it. It says, render unto God what is God's. You know, Caesar has this small area of delegated authority under the context of God's uh, supreme authority. And that's, that's the way we need to see political life. So therefore, he has an opinion. <laughs> he cares about taxation. He cares about bins. He cares about broadband. Um, you know, God cares about all these things and because they're all under his supreme authority. It's not a separate realm uh, where, you know, where the world has authority and then he has authority over the invisible stuff. That's, that's not the world that God has created. It's certainly not the world that um, uh, the children of Israel would have understood. It's not a Hebrew way of looking at life at all, where all life is one, you know? Um, so, yeah, we, we need to sort of break ourselves out of that Western individualist reading um, of Scripture sometimes. And Andy, the course mentions the, the seven spheres uh, that affect any culture. Um, I've heard them referred to as mountains. Uh, with, yeah, sometimes with a slightly different list sometimes. Um, obviously, the political spheres or the government sphere is one of them. Can you, can you list the, the six and, and just say a little bit about each? Yes, well, there's the sphere of family, the sphere of religion, the sphere of education, the sphere of media, the sphere of arts, the sphere of politics, and the sphere of business. And um, these are the, the spheres... It's not that you're saying that's an exhaustive list of where everybody spends their time, but you, you are saying that actually sociologists have shown that those spheres are the spheres that, that have the primary influence over culture. And when we say culture, we mean the invisible stuff in the air that, that leaves our young people growing up thinking something is right and something is wrong. You know, there are various things in culture now that um, compared to 20 years ago, you ask a young person now, well, is that right? Is that acceptable? Is, can you do that? You know, these things have changed. Culture shifts. And, and, and what, what uh, especially our young people and we take in from the media, from the arts world, from government, from legislation, those things cause a culture shift. And, and I guess we are praying, we are praying to see culture transformed by God's presence and, and the presence of his people in all of these spheres because they have a huge influence in what we think is true, what we think is right, and what we think is wrong. Um, and, and we're naive to, to hide ourselves away and just think that we can do discipleship with our church congregation. Because, you know, a church leader only has um, their people maybe for, a, for an hour, maybe on a Sunday morning, for example. Um, but like they're exposed to so many more, like 350, adver if you live in the UK, 350 advertising messages a day, all the TV that people watch, all the, the stuff they read in newspapers, that's actually having this profound impact on what people believe to be true. And, uh, and so even if we're a church leader that only cares about discipling our own people and doesn't care about transforming culture, you'd still want to be actually transformative of the culture because that's what's discipling your people. Yeah, absolutely. And so, of course, listeners involved in one of those other spheres, they're not maybe not the religion spheres, perhaps they're not 
um, on a daily basis engaging in that. You're saying that this fear actually is something they need to engage with, uh, with you know, spirit power to accomplish God's purposes there as well as in in the the, the narrow sphere of the church. Well, yes, yeah, so we're, we're. I mean, we're all called to be involved. Uh, wherever God places us in our workplace, you know, all our workplaces have an impact on these spheres. Um, you know, whether we're working in healthcare, whether we're working in, uh, you know, in economics, whether we're working, uh, you know, in, in police, these all have, these, you know, these, these have a huge impact. So we're called to be salt and light where we are. It's just so often we can believe our only Christian endeavors happen uh, in the religious sphere, you know, with what we do on a Sunday morning or a Friday night or a Wednesday morning, you know, that, rather than believing that God's called us to impact the world seven days a week um, and, and have an impact in these spheres. And I think it's worth saying, Andy, because sadly the church sometimes gives a slightly different picture. Uh, maybe ministers and pastors have a vested interest to some, to some extent in, in bigging up what's happening on a Sunday. And we're not minimizing that, of course, but it's to say that, you know, 24 seven, so, mm. you know, we are, we are to be for the Lord. And, and I think some people need that reaffirmation that, that the yes. business, business world is, does matter to God. Absolutely. And, you know, Mark Green puts it like this. He says that in every decade since the Second World War, a different theologian has won the secular sacred debate, has blown the secular sacred divide out of the water. Um, but that even though, you know, where you can go through every decade and see John Stott, Leslie Newbegin, you know, all the people that have won that debate, and, 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 and the church in its head believes what you're saying, but actually it's never led to a functional change in how the church operates. So if you look at where the church staffing, building cost resources, where the money goes, it's still focused mostly on putting on the best show possible on a Sunday morning, yeah. um, rather than resourcing its people uh, for, for life in the world. And in places such as politics that are really challenging places to be, where we really, really need a lot of theological and discipleship input. Um, so we're, we're actually not serving people as well as we could. So it's that focus that we want to see. We, so we don't want to stop gathering because we love gathering and we believe in gathering. Gosh, I'm somebody who leads worship. I love doing that. But it's this, it's this similar focus on the dispersed, the church dispersed, as well as the church gathered. So Andy, the course helps us uh, face the fact that engaging in the political world won't be easy. That's something you also expressed in, in your book, um, those that show up. Um, there may be dull meetings. We won't necessarily mm. agree with everything in our chosen political party. Uh, and we may feel uncomfortable with what is said and what the outcomes are. Can you just explore a little bit about the, the, the kind of downside of uh, engaging in political life and just give some reassurance for people who may be skeptical? Absolutely. Well, you know, we, we've been running the influence course online in the last few days, and uh, there's a, a wonderful exercise in the online version where everybody gets to fill out a card that then gets flipped over on the screen um, and to, to see the reason why they think Christians steer clear of party politics. And, and those sort of reasons were mentioned by people. Um, certainly this perception of politics is a, is a dirty game um, and that you, there's a lot of tribalism and we don't want to be involved or that the meetings are very boring. And, and to that, I, I say, well, yes, I think, at times you're you're right, <laughs> but I think that means that we should run towards it rather than away from it. You know, we we would if 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 Jesus uh, you know had decided that oh gosh the world's got into a bad state, therefore uh, you know I can't it's too dirty for me to to get stuck in. You know, we'd still be waiting for a Messiah. You know, the incarnation would not have happened, <laughs> and um, and my bath has never got cleaner by me standing outside it saying be clean. <laughs> you know, it's only got cleaner. <laughs> 
when I when I get into it and scrub it. And so the call to be salt and light is there. And so sadly, so often as Christians, we just end up standing outside the bath and complaining about it and critiquing it rather than getting inside it and, and, and cleaning it. And, and that will um, take some dull meetings. You know, the meetings that first started the abolition movement were very dull. I've seen the minutes of the meetings and it started off that famous movement that did so did such an important job, with you know with uh, with Wilberforce and all his friends. Uh, you know that that those meetings were very dull. Those meetings were incredibly dull at the start. Anytime we do anything of worth, it takes hard work. Um, I think sometimes we're just a little bit shy of that hard work and relationship building with those who we don't agree with. But but if we're working with those who we don't agree with on everything, that's that's the missional evangelistic adventure. That's the getting stuck in with people who we don't. Uh, who, who will hopefully smell Jesus from us because we're not talking just talking about good legislation and improving the way systems and structures run. We're talking about people getting to know Jesus. Um, and that happens by people getting to know us. <laughs> That's what we're called to. That's not going to come from us just sending emails or sending letters from a distance. That you know, Sadly, some of the, the most toxic and unpleasant letters that, we, that, that MPs get are from Christians, which is, which is really disappointing. But... Sure. Um, you know, so so it's it's about that getting involved uh, on the inside, and, and and we should be careful to not uh, think that uh, the other thing that people often says, well, I fear like I would get corrupted. I feel I'd be corrupted by the system, and and you know I have to at that point sort of whisper and say, look, you know, can I tell you a secret? You are corrupted by the system. You know, <laughs> with the petrol you put in your car is supporting some fairly shocking Middle Eastern states that oppress women and oppress Christians. You know, the mobile phone you're using uh, oppresses some pretty. Some uh, large numbers of people in sub-Saharan Africa who are mining those crystals that go in mobile phones. You know, I could talk about your your mortgage. I could talk about your broadband. We 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 are part of a fallen system, and to think that we can somehow stay holy and separate from it is is really naive. So, Andy, um, one of your chapters majors on a lesser-known character in the Bible, Obadiah, and that's not even one of the minor prophets. Uh, the guy who. Um, was around at Elijah's time. So what were the lessons that you drew out from Obadiah? Um, Elijah, Obadiah is an amazing character, and he doesn't get mentioned very much, but he's working for King Ahab, and he's, he's, a, he's a palace official working almost like you could say a civil servant or a, or a, or a minister working in the court of King Ahab. And um, the, the fascinating thing is that he's there and he's a believer um, but he's working in the midst. King Ahab's regime is not a pleasant regime. It's a pretty crazy regime, a genocidal regime that is going against God's way. Yet Obadiah is faithful and stays because he feels God has called him to serve there. And you know, at one point he serves, he saves some of God's people. But then at another point he is able to broker this connection between King Ahab and King Elijah and, 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 and the prophet Elijah. And, and that's what uh, that's what leads to the famous um, meeting on Mount Carmel, uh, where King Ahab and the prophets of Baal are uh, rendered in, incompetent and useless. <laughs> um, and, uh, and the fire comes down and Elijah wins this amazing victory that we all know about. And we shout and we sing about that amazing victory and we shout and we tell Sunday school stories about Elijah, but nobody speaks about Obadiah, who is the key the, the key factor, the key relationship broker that made that thing happen. And so we're really trying to honor those folks who are working behind the scenes, those who will work in the civil service, those who, who will work in local government, who will never be candidates, who will never have their names on any paper anywhere, but who are you know doing God's work on the inside of some of the systems and structures that govern our land. And we're affirming folks who are already involved there or saying, you know, maybe God might be calling you to be uh, an Obadiah. And, you know, the strap line is that, you know, it's as, it's as important to be 
holding the clipboard as it is to be holding the microphone. Uh, indeed. Um, Andy, I need to um, address a tricky question, uh, and that is that uh, obviously you're hoping that the, the course will be run in local churches, you, uh, small groups maybe gathering uh, around, and it's got some got teaching, it's got prayers, it's got activities, etc., and some video material, etc. But the, I suppose the challenge is you need a, a pretty um, outward-looking pastor or minister or vicar who who really believes this because of course they're struggling often with the need to get volunteers along particularly post-covid to, to run the church yeah and, and this yeah. is encouraging people to engage in quotes the the outer world um if i can use that language um so uh, just to say a few things to reassure some of the pastors listening that they're not going to lose everyone yeah well i would i would say this is discipleship this is not extracurricular activity. This this is discipleship, and I think that's the important thing. Yeah. Um, when you frame our involvement in the political realm in terms of discipleship, um, church leaders start to understand it. So you're not saying, "Oh, here's another extra thing. You've got to be into trafficking. You've got to be into debt. You've got to be." You know, our pastors are absolutely exhausted post COVID. You know, and and I I so rather than saying, "Here's another thing you need to do," this is saying, "Here's a resource." That can do some of the discipleship that you don't have the capacity for. <laughs> they can bring some of the some of the research and some of the theological work that you probably maybe haven't had time to do, and neither should you have time to do because this is um, you. Know, how how can a pastor understand you know the fifty different career paths represented in their congregation and ask the right questions to be able to encourage and support and challenge and hold accountable all the different folks involved in their congregation? You can't. And it, to be honest, it makes a nonsense of the whole idea of just having one person lead a church but we we need lots of folks that are involved and 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 this is a way of discipling folks within this sphere so that you know this the the, the stories that have happened from the from the churches that have done the course the pilot version of the course have been incredible you know the faith building that has happened the folks who who have uh, become local counselors the folks who have had their questions um that the, 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 they've had they've asked um, answered in parliament because every, every week there's a kind of a like a homework a project for folks to do before the next week um, and as people have you know enthusiastically done that together it's been amazing to see the impact and so you you, you can't but think that that's going to grow the church that's actually going to lead to more people that's leading more christians to being involved in public life getting to know more people who aren't christians and growing the church i think this is actually a way of growing the church uh, and actually bringing more volunteers in and actually do the church doing what it's called to do so yes i've no i've i've, I've no concerns honestly that, that already it's been really well received by people and uh, and I'm, I'm i'm confident that uh, that it will be received well by by more and andy as we as we close uh, in terms of the practicalities of someone engaging with the course uh, talk talk us through where we, they would go and what they would need to do. Well, the, the first thing to do is to go to the influencecourse.co.uk website where um, there's the link to buy the book that is that has all the information of how to run the course um, and all the information you've been talking about. That's the Influence Course book. Um, but also at influencecourse.co.uk, um, there's the access to the online course, uh, which is really exciting because it runs on the new church rooms interface. It's a new platform that allows introverts as well as extroverts to get a fair crack of the whip on Zoom. Uh, as, as it's like a combination of Zoom and Netflix and online learning platform. So you can, there are whiteboards, there are questions to ask, there are puzzles, there are quizzes, uh, there are polls. 
um, and uh, and there are various ways to help people, the whole online experience feel more interactive. And you can also do a hybrid version, people in the room, people online, or you can just use it uh, as the kind of basis of a course happening in a room because all of the material, the content, the videos, uh, the, the biblical bits, they're all just preloaded for you. So no longer have you got those that embarrassing experience of saying, oh, Sharon, can you share the PowerPoint now? Or Dave, can you share that link? It's all preloaded for you and you can decide what you want to use and what you don't. Uh, so if you go to influencecourse.co.uk, you can pick it all up. And how long will it take to go through? It's, um, they, you can, you can, you, it's basically a six-week course um, and uh, some folks have, have done a sort of a, uh, an online version of it that takes about uh, an hour to 90 minutes and done it in six weeks. Some folks have actually wanted to chew over the material for longer and so have taken eight or nine weeks to do it. Um, so you can go at your own pace. There's nobody from a central point of view forcing you to do it in a certain way. You can do it in your own pace and in your, in your own way. Well, Andy, it's been terrific to chat with you. Uh, thank you for the insight you've given. Uh, whether you, people do the course or not, there's been lots in our conversation, but I trust that uh, many will be listening and thinking, hey, this is just for me. So thank you so much. Oh, wonderful. Well, thanks for much, so much for taking the time to have a conversation with us, Andy. It's lovely to speak to you again, sir. That was my conversation with Andy Flanagan and the Influence course. Uh, Flanagan is spelt with three N's, two N's in the middle and the N at the end. Whether or not this is a course you want to run, I hope it reminds you of God's concern that you influence the world around you. It may sound daunting and challenging, but it's what the Lord is leading his people to do. It may be that the political sphere is the one for you, but it may be one of those other spheres that Andy mentioned uh, would be ones that you're engaged in and are looking to see God's work known. You are called to be salt and light. So let's make sure that we are salt and that our light shines, as Jesus says it should, and that we don't hide it under a bushel. We can be overwhelmed by the global and national challenges, but God calls us to do what he calls us to do where we are, our circle of influence, and to increase that circle if need be. You will know that the show is broadcast on Premier Radio at four o'clock on a Sunday and available on podcasts thereafter. So however you listen to this, I hope you are able to engage with other archive versions by going to Premier's website or the podcast provider where you find this. There's tons of other material which we hope will be a blessing to you as you seek to live for Christ where he's called you to be. Thanks for tuning in or listening today. God bless you in your week ahead. The Leadership Show with Andy Peck. To get in touch, email andy.peck at premier.org.uk.